Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. We have a fun show for you guys. Some lighthearted topics. We had a heavy show last week, and if you want to know all about Hugh Freeze, go listen to last week's episode. We're not going to talk about Hugh Freeze today on the show. Yay! We, got, we, <laughs> we have a college football playoff that has been set. Yep. The Georgia Bulldogs are SEC champions. We've got Heisman Trophy finalists. We've got the transfer portal open for business. We've got recruiting coming up. we got all kinds of fun stuff to get to. Coaches have started making moves on their staffs. A few coaches have been fired in the SEC. Some have moved on to other greener pastures, if you will, literally in Alex Golish's case, the South Florida Green Bulls. So we'll talk about some of that stuff today. Michael Bratton is going to be our guest from that SEC podcast. He knows a ton of stuff. Uh, just constantly churning out content. Uh, you should check out his YouTube page, the podcast, the website, uh, all the all the great stuff. SEC Mike on Twitter, he's a fantastic guest. So can't wait to talk to him a little bit later on uh, this week on the pod. So lots of stuff to do, Aaron. How are we yep. today? We're good. I'm I'm good. We both had a busy day today. I'm giving like eight mile vibes. I don't know who watches yeah, you our are. YouTube channel. Yeah, you I like. Are. I just noticed. I'm like, I kind of look hard today, and there's I'm vo- there's vomit on your sweater already. <laughs> yep, I'm into it. I'm wearing the oversized black hoodie and like, don't f with me today. Yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> note note to self. Um, uh, before the lighthearted we get into- show, we'll be okay. <laughs> Super lighthearted. Don't mess with me. Yeah. Uh, listen, come on, rabbit. Let's go. Uh, lots of stuff to discuss today on the pod. So before we do, of course, for Element is brought to you by J E Dunn, one of the world's most glorified and rightfully so employers. And the person that's on Braden's quarter zip. Quarter zip. Uh, quarter zip, not a hoodie. Wish it was a hoodie like you. Uh, uh. Oh, wait, I got to go. No, I know. I'm like, yeah, I'm killing the game today. I will tell you that I went out to eat with a friend on Friday night. And we could not find a parking spot because it's Nashville and shit's hard to do. So we went and like drove around and there was this no parking area kind of near the restaurant. And um, this is obviously like no parking. You can't how is park this going to help people go find their career goals and accomplish those career goals that Jay done? You going to get there? Wait a second. All right. The parking lot was currently occupied by J.E. Dunn for a construction site. So I'm like, wait, could do I have enough leverage to get her out of this parking ticket with J.E. Dunn if for some reason she got it? And I don't know the answer because she didn't get a ticket. But... It just made me question, like, could I get her out of this J.E. Dunn parking ticket? And do they love me enough to do that if it came to that? I think we know people. I think we could do it. Now, is using our relationship to park cars the goal here at 440 Probably Sports? not. Probably not. Um, well, you know what? We actually didn't end up parking there. But it did. I did think about it for a long time. Of like, <laughs> could, could I do this hypothetically? Hey, parking is a real struggle in life sometimes, especially in Nashville these days. So um, uh, so is finding a quality job that you like where your employer isn't an asshole. So Jay Dunn does that. Well done. And thank you. Just a quick transition there. And um, I think that we spend, I talk about this a lot, but I spend a lot of time at my job. Braden spends a lot of time at his job doing it well past normal hours. And a lot of people do that, whether or not you have your own company or you're working for somebody. And that is a ton of time to spend somewhere that's miserable. Yeah, don't do that. So don't do that. No. And most of what makes or breaks a workplace is how much people care. And so I think that's the difference. So you should go apply there and tell them we sent you. Also, the type of grills that you have 
at your yeah. office also you have- makes or breaks the type of workplace you have. And Jay Dunn office in Nashville, for example, green, big green eggs. They have two big green eggs out on their porch, overlooking the downtown Nashville high- skyline. I only say that to say that could be at your office one day, folks. If you just go check out Jay Dunn, because that is what defines a good workplace environment. A grill. A grill. Which, which is what, which is what Marshall look, Mathers has. I would look cool with a grill right now. Other kinds. Oh, damn. I wish you did have a Tom Herman grill in your mouth right now. That'd that would fantastic. be sick. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so Georgia's number one. They win the SEC championship. I don't, do you have anything to say about the game? Like uh, the only thing I could add is that after Jaden Daniels went out for LSU, Garrett Nussmeyer threw the ball around a little bit on that secondary. And maybe that's a, a thing to worry about if you're Georgia. I'm not sure if it is, but they're number one. They're 13 and 0. First time they're number one. Um, uh, Stetson Bennett, of course, is your Heisman finals. We'll get to that in just a second, but, um, they get Ohio state in the first round. Not a, not exactly an easy draw. You got TCU and Michigan in the other bracket. They're of course being Atlanta, your initial thoughts when you saw the four teams come out, a, did the committee get it right? But really just as a football fan, as an sec fan, what are you most excited about now that the four team playoff is actually here? Well, I'm excited because I think this, cause this is going to excite a, um, a larger crowd. We talk about Bama fatigue a lot and just, just reaching that it's not just the sec show. It's not sec in one and two or sec in one and four with two other teams that barely missed it. Like that couple years ago when Texas A&M was in that five or six spot. And then, you know, we have like the sec show and it is, you know, same matchup as sec championship. And then you have national title game that ends up being those two, like those two same teams from the SEC. And I think what excites me about this is just the reach. And for everybody, people that aren't in those, you know, that aren't always in contention for being in a national title game to be excited. Um, And as a conference, I think even, even if it's not your particular team, um, it gives you, I guess it gives you hope that your conference is still in contention for spots like that. And obviously that will continue to be the case as the playoffs expand. So it will just get better from here. I, um, I know that as a, I know Georgia fans are probably hoping that that wasn't going to be their matchup. I know they probably would have rather had another team in that number four spot, but that's just not the way the cards fell. Um, I, and in terms of going back and you asked about LSU, Georgia, are we surprised about that? No, I think we both said last week, we thought the spread was pretty much dead on. It ended up two and a half points away from that, which, you know, give or take, but that's pretty close. LSU did have, you know, Nussmeyer came in and was able to do a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know, it it wasn't close. LSU had some mistakes that cost them, um, cost them just covering the spread. It didn't cost them the game. Right, right, right. It was like 35 and, to it was like 35 to 3. Like, I, yeah. I wish yeah. I had something to say about the game. Like I I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about. Like it's just Georgia being Georgia. LSU looked like a nine and four team and Georgia looked like a 13 and 0 team. As LSU, you have to be excited about where you were before the season when every single person in the media, or if you were acting like you knew what LSU was going to look like, you were lying. We just owned it and said, we don't have any freaking clue what this is going to look like, but we know Brian Kelly's probably going to take them in the right direction. But what, like, what excitement LSU should have as a program of being able to turn things around as quickly as they did, even though it didn't, this last game didn't end the way you wanted it to. That's a huge step in the right direction for them. I do think there's time for perspective. I think Tennessee fans need perspective where you've come over 24 months 
to go from NCAA investigation, not having an athletic director, not having a head coach to being sixth in the freaking playoff rankings at the end of the season and your first 10 win season since 2003. I think you should quickly pivot to perspective. If you're a Tennessee fan, I think LSU the same way Mm -hmm. you you choked away a chance potentially against A&M. You never really had a shot against Georgia. You can pivot very quickly to we we have the right guy leading the program and we've gone from dumpster fire covering up sexual assault firing coach to winning an SEC West championship and playing in the SEC title game and and hey now you feel set up to move forward i think you could argue lsu roster wise is in way better shape than tennessee is actually uh yeah. moving moving forward just just they have more more general talent so um the thing tennessee, most- i know it's hard to move on from is when things it does take things all falling into place at the right time. And I know at a lot of points this season, it felt like that was happening. And I, I hate, I hate that Hendon hooker is hurt. I hate that the the season didn't get to like finish out or at least see the potential that they could have reached with him. And I know it's disappointing to think, you know, people know people are not shying away from the impact that he had could have had um, throughout the rest of the season. So I hate that. But I also think as Tennessee fans, you need to recognize that when your system is working well, you have the right people in place. Those recruits will come again. It's not a one done situation. And I think, uh, you know, Josh Heupel has them on the right track to where it's going to be attractive for not that there's that many Hendon hookers in the world, but for those top tier recruits to see potential in Tennessee and want to yeah. be part of that program. Oh, of, of, of course, there's no question about it. Yeah. Um, the thing I think I'm, I have two things I'm looking forward to. One is like a football nerd standpoint and one is like a media nerd standpoint. The so they're media- both nerdy as shit. Oh, uh, well, of course it's, I'm, I got to stay on brand here. Obviously. Um, I, I think from a media standpoint, cause I can get this one out of the way quickly. Like the fact that Alabama didn't get in, cause I think I could easily argue that they're the third best team. I, if we want to be annoying about yeah. this, I know people don't necessarily want to hear that, especially non Alabama fans, but like, it's very easy if you just use your brain. And, and again, I think Alabama fatigue, we all have it. I think it like literally puts up a wall between you, your brain and your mouth. And like, it, it keeps you from like actually using critically think critical thinking with Alabama the way they played this season with Bryce Young and a top five defense nationally, I think I could easily argue they're better than TCU or Ohio State or even Michigan. Do I think they belong in the playoff? No. Do I want them in the playoff? Probably not. As a fan, I'm glad to see something new uh, with TCU. You know, I again, but but here's what the media nerd side of me says. No more SEC deep state bias cabal shit. Like, no more of that. We've been trying to tell you that this narrative is not a real thing. Do not tell me that the SEC bias that they're just that the committee is trying to get SEC teams onto the into the playoff because they're they're in the they're in bed with ESPN trying to this this you know SEC deep state cabal garbage. They put Ohio State in, didn't win their division. TCU didn't win their conference, and they put both of those teams in the playoff ahead of Alabama, who I could argue is better. So that thing is yeah. to me that narrative is just shot all to hell. <laughs> so. I think I don't want to hear it anymore. Well, I get that. And I th- I think that we've we again we've talked about this before, but just there has to be a combination of um I'm trying to make sure I say this the right way. Obviously, there's criteria the college football playoff committee follows to try to put these teams in the right place. It's their head-to-head schedule. It's strength of schedule. It's how many wins do they have in the top 25. It's, you know, all of these different things that they look at. The human, it, it's a it's a slippery slope of you need the human, you need like, it can't just be like a, a, you know, a ranking that's just generated out by some, you know, 
uh, a formula that ESPN has or whatever to spit it out. I mean, we see what those are, whatever the preseason the F- was the RPI, F- the FPI, the FPI and the S and P football Plus power index Connelly. and all that. Yeah. So you, ha- the human element does help this process, but I think it's really easy to get carried away of, you know, knowing what you know, but also not just, you could easily get away from criteria by saying, do I think if TCU and Alabama played each other, that Alabama would win? I think the answer could be that, but still it shouldn't be Alabama. And I know that's yeah, a really I, hard delineation. It's because there's a lot of gray area there, in my I, opinion. No, no, no. I, I know what you're saying. Future I, prediction versus taking factors into account that, you know, are not... It's not even it's not even that that is that is totally true. I see what you're saying. I think that's a a valid argument to bring back to the table, which is, well, no, just because you think Alabama would win head to head and, you know, Vegas would have Alabama favored or whatever. That's not a reason to put them in. I I agree. The reason I would put them in is because I think over 12 games and in TCU cases, 13 games, Ohio State, 12 games. I think Alabama is the better team. Like, however you want to define it, like based on all 12 games, based on every piece of data point, statistical metrics probability, you know, any possible way you can measure a team. I watched all 12 games for all these teams. And I think Alabama's better. It doesn't mean I th- I'm o- like, I'm okay with the committee doing what they did. I just want to mm-hmm. point out that the narrative can know you cannot yeah, go I know on what you're saying. fans of other conferences should not be allowed to go on Twitter and complain about big brand bias or sec bias. I don't want to hear those phrases anymore because Alabama just got left out for Ohio state and frankly, TCU, a much, much, much smaller brand, got put in over Ohio State and Alabama. So yeah. you can't, like to me, if the, if the committee is just in it for the TV ratings or just in it for the SEC and trying to help ESPN, like all of that's out the window now, at least for- formally. So that's one thing. From a football nerd standpoint, the thing I'm most excited about seeing is what you could argue is the best offense in America, Ohio State, versus what is easily the best defense in America, Mich- uh, Michigan, Georgia you got it. in a playoff game. It doesn't mean Ohio State's better than Michigan. Obviously not. It doesn't mean they're better than TCU. Maybe they are. But all along, all season long, we've talked about CJ Stroud and all the weapons at Ohio State, which are probably going to be healthy for this game now, and Georgia and their defense. Who can who can do this to Georgia? Who can attack Georgia and, and make them look the way Bryce Young and Alabama did last SEC championship game? And the only one I could think of is Ohio State, maybe USC. They're out. Ohio State's in. Now we get the matchup we've kind of been talking about yeah. all season long. So that's just kind of a nerdy, like, what is Ryan? Because and, and now all the pressure is on the coaches because yeah. you cannot argue that the talent's not pretty even. Like nobody in America can say, hey, my talent on offense is as good as your talent on defense, Georgia. But Ohio State's one of the few that can. And so it's about Kirby Smart and Ryan Day and their nerdy coaching schematic whatever the gobbledygook they come up with. It's going to be awesome to watch. I can't wait for that battle. I think Georgia wins because of the other side of the ball, but that's a different discussion. I just want to see Kirby Smart's defense against Ryan Day's offense on the same field for the right to play in the national championship game. Give me all that all day long. Just smothered and covered, covered, baby. Just give that to me. I think, too, as if you are a Georgia fan or if that's who 
you know, you want to come out on top of this. I understand, like I mentioned, that TCU probably have been a more favorable first game. But at the end of the day, when you really think about the pressure that comes with the national championship, and of course, Georgia's been there before. They know what it's like. So is Ohio State. It's not necessarily everyone on the team that's experienced that, more so Georgia than Ohio State at this point in terms of who has most recently been exposed to that kind of pressure. But it's also, again, just like wasn't bad for Georgia to be underrated at the beginning of the season. It's not bad to face that in the semifinals rather than the finals because at the end of the day, you might have to. It just depends on who you play. I do know what you're saying about Ohio State. I'd much rather play TCU. If I was Michigan, if I was Michigan, I'd be happier that I'm playing. I think the two seed got an easier matchup than the one seed. I do. And but I, I, I still can't argue. I still can't argue with, you know. What I think would play out, I mean, I think it makes more sense. I do think Ohio State is better than TCU. I understand why it happened like this. Um, But from the football nerd perspective, I understand why you're excited about it. Six and a half point. uh, The Buckeyes are six and a half point underdogs. Um, It did look like the the predicted amount of points was like 61 and a half. A lot of points. Um, It's a lot of points. Um, I was curious how what you thought about that. Well, I think overestimation. These games tend to be uh, blowouts in the semifinals. This one doesn't feel like it will be a blowout. I don't, I do, I don't I do know about like, a blowout. Yeah, I do like Georgia to win. Uh, at six and a half, I would take Georgia and lay the points. If it got to seven and a half, I might take Ohio State. But I, I think I'm taking Georgia. I think the game that could be far trickier, and we'll have time to talk about this later. Later, I actually think if Michigan and Georgia both advance, I think Michigan is going to give them a much tougher game this year than last year. I, it's just call it a gut feel call it Michigan being a little bit more evolved on offense, maybe not as 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 awesome on defense for Georgia, but I think the experience of that, you know, getting beaten down last year by Michigan, I just think Michigan-Georgia will be a closer game than people think should those two advance, but I, I don't know about this one. I, I like Georgia because I don't think Ohio State can stop them, which brings us to Stetson Bennett, who's a Heisman finalist. Uh, of course, Max Duggan, Caleb Williams, and C.J. Stroud are your four finalists. I'll just say this. Of those four finalists, Aaron, and this is a nugget for the for those of you out there because I'm not allowed to give out who I voted for as of ta- time of taping. Uh, of the four finalists, one of them was on my list. <laughs> Ooh, I wonder if I could... Oh, yeah, you can't say anything. I can't say, but you... Really guess. I think it's pretty obvious, but... I mean, I, I, Stets, Stetson I, I, I know two of them. Stetson Bennett. Like, I, I think Stetson Bennett is a... And Michael and I will talk about this later, and he does a great job. Like anytime you say anything negative about Stetson Bennett, it sounds like you're just ripping the guy. And he and and even Michael said this: like he should have a statue outside Stanford Stadium if they win another national title. Like he is should be celebrated and exalted as one of the great quarterbacks in Georgia history. Right? Is he one of the four best players in college football this year? I find that kind of laughable, but that's just my opinion. I think actually <laughs> vamp for a second because I meant to pull up just about okay. Heisman. okay. Heisman criteria, and I just want to glance back at something really well, quick. While you mo- most outstanding on. player, but the the criteria is sort of uh, beauty. At least I take it this way: beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Totally, and I think um, they they do let you guys have that freedom. Sure, they, they don't yeah. give you an exact list, but keep going. I, I don't think it has to be the best players on the best team. That's sort of what it looks like when you look at those. I just think about what Georgia's offense would look like if Bryce Young was running the ship, and that's not meant to be disrespectful to Stetson. That is just meant to say Bryce Young is probably the best player in America. And if you gave him Kirby Smart's offense this year, right, with those oh, players God. this year, uh, could he execute it better than Stetson Bennett? Eh, probably. <laughs> well, I don't think any of us have a ton of doubt about that. Right. I, 
I'm gonna have to ask you. I will ask you when you get off what exactly. I, I think I have a guess of who. I know. Oh. I know two of them that were that oh, are not so? on. I think so. Okay. All right. Um, um, the third one, I'm. I'm guessing the third one's not a quarterback. The third one that was not on your list. I wish. I tried they so hard. They were all hard. QBs. I tried so hard to like, oh, like Jalen Jalen Carter belongs on here. You know, like I tried so hard and uh it was just hard this year because all the stars were all quarterbacks. And it's just a I you know, I'm trying not to channel my inner Godfrey here, but it's true. Like we were a little spoiled last year because it was really fun to watch like Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like yeah, like uh, what Nicobe Dean and mm-hmm. you know, like all these guys that that could have been that voted. were in the running Will, for it. I mean, I voted Will for Will, I voted for Will Anderson. So yep, I think he it's, got like thirty-two votes first place last year. So, um, I, I I thought it was surprising that Bryce Young or Hendon Hooker did not make it into the finals, and that Stetson Bennett did. I found that to be very interesting, and that to me, I don't know what it tells you. It tells me that voters and with Max Duggan making it. Surprised to see him there too. That it felt more like a best player on the best team kind of year. That's what it, it felt like to me too. And which that's, I and, don't love that, but no. And it doesn't happen very often. Actually, people complain about it all the time, but it doesn't happen very often. Like more players win. Lamar Jackson won it on like a four loss Louisville team. When Tim Tebow won the Heisman, it was like the worst season for the Gators of his career. It was in between the two national championship seasons. They lost like four games that season. Robert Griffin lost three games at Baylor. Like team guys win the Heisman all the time, not on championship caliber team so like but guys don't win the heisman when they ha- like what you're saying it just doesn't seem like it happens that much when they don't finish the season which is what i hate about this no, that's true that's is true. when like there's like when you're in a hendon hooker situation and you aren't in the like the eye of every or you're not on everybody's screen for yeah. the last two weeks of the season like right when all these votes are going in not that you not that you missed one game Heis- missed one game yeah i mean people with a heisman vote also pay attention so it, it's not like yeah. it's being yeah. blatantly ignored but it's hard for me too because i think it, it, when you look at hendon hooker and what he was able to do this year it's just like god i, yeah. I wanted that for him I'll give you my vote next week. Okay. <laughs> you're 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 barking up the right tree, Dugan. Okay. Let's <laughs> just, just leave it at that. Okay. Um, I want to get to the bowl games and wrap things up here, but quickly, you've already got how about this? Luke Altmeyer in the transfer portal, Zach Calzada in the transfer portal, Haynes King from AM in the transfer portal, Mike Wright from Vanderbilt in the transfer portal, Tyler Macon from Missouri in the transfer portal. I think a few other guys are in the portal as well. It is going to be wild. You've got, I think, 417 players alone in the FBS ranks on Monday entered the portal. You've got all kinds of quarterbacks available. So if you're if you're Kentucky looking to replace Will Levis or Tennessee looking to replace Hendon Hooker or South Carolina looking to replace Spencer Rattler, there's lots of guys in there. Yeah. Uh, so we'll so again we'll talk to Michael about this a little bit more. Also before um, you breeze by that, I think if you're one of those schools that you just named, um what a great thing to be able to have somebody who has played in the SEC, who knows the environment, uh, those game day situations that you truly can't simulate in a practice. And to be able to, even if you're bringing in recruits that are freshmen and these very high ranked, like four or five star guys, just being able to play or learn from underneath somebody that has done the SEC before could be huge for rebuilding in terms of turnaround time. Like if you're Tennessee, for example. Well, and and Milton will be the starter next year. Also a transfer from Michigan, but he's at least he's been on the roster for a full two seasons now. Well, yeah, um, it's more about the, the the established guys elsewhere that, that that could come into the SEC, like DJ Uyunglele from Clemson's in the portal. True. Uh, Graham Mertz from Wisconsin, Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State, Devin Leary, NC State, Hudson Card at Texas. 
I mean, there's just like Keaton Slovis. Uh, I mean, just Brendan Armstrong. Like, there's just uh, dozens of starting quarterbacks in college football at the Power Five level are in the portal. Mm-hmm. And so, if if you're looking to go get one, there are some opportunities. The highest ranked, by the way, that's in the portal right now, according to ESPN, Dominic Lovett, wide receiver from Missouri. Treshawn Holden, of course, from Alabama, is in the portal. Javion Cohen, the offensive line. I find it interesting that two of the top available transfer players in the country are a wide receiver and an offensive lineman from Alabama, considering those are the two positions that they probably struggled with the most this year. I find that to be interesting. South Carolina's got a bunch of guys, a couple of tight ends in the portal. I think I counted uh, 11 Alabama players, 10 Texas A&M players, 13 Arkansas players already in the portal. So just keep an eye on that. We're taping this on Tuesday. That could change rapidly. Uh, assistant coach moves as well. You've got uh, in the SEC, you've got um, Rich Garangelo has been fired by Kentucky. Alex Golish, the Tennessee offensive coordinator, took the South Florida job. And yep. and Marcus Satterfield left South Carolina to go to Nebraska. So two left on their own. One was fired. Daryl Dickey at AM was fired, the offensive coordinator. Those are all things we'll talk about with Michael. But coordinators and co- like Kentucky, South Carolina, AM, and and Tennessee all have very big decisions to make at quarterback and with their offensive scheme moving forward. Right. Um, and again, just just all things that are going to continue to change and morph and evolve as, as we move forward. So I'm going to make a, well, this isn't a hot take, but a a lot of times head coaches matter when guys decide to transfer or not, no doubt about it. Coordinators have potentially, I'd argue even a bigger influence on whether someone feels like they work in a system or if they want to leave. I would, however, venture to say that you still probably won't see a lot of those, you know, sometimes if guys don't feel like like they fit in the system, like for Texas A&M example, for example, if, you know, there's all these offensive players and then they're like, this just doesn't work. And then they get rid of the OC, then a lot of them would choose to stay. I will predict that that changes Ooh. almost no one's opinion on whether or not they want to stay <laughs> at AM because I don't think that the coordinators are at the root of the issue. I think you're right about that. Uh, I, and I do think Heupel's in a better position because he has Milton, who, again, yeah. I don't think is all that special. I don't think he's that good. But you got Joe Milton and you, of course, are... The, the architect of the offense, right? Alex Golish is very talented. South Florida is getting a really good coach and he's yeah. going to be a big loss, but I think losing him hooker is a way bigger loss. Losing Will Levis, big loss, but, but give credit to Stoops for being willing to make the move again, only yeah. after one season. I give him credit for that. And not a lot of people all that upset that Marcus Satterfield left South Carolina to go to Nebraska. So we'll see uh, again. We'll talk to Marcus, uh, talk to Marcus. We'll talk to Michael Bratton about that. <laughs> Uh, coming up in just a second. I want to get your question. I want to get your thoughts on some of these bowl matchups okay. uh, real fast before we do. Of course, for Element, brought to you by J.E. Dunn. J.E. Dunn.com, people. Okay, here's the deal. You want to you want to coach. You want to play. You're in the portal. You're an assistant. You're looking for a job. You want to coach and play and work with people you enjoy, people you believe in, people that you trust, right? Mm-hmm. These are things you want. Right. If you're a recruit, if you're a quarterback, if you're a coordinator, if you're a coach, these are the things you want. You want trust. You want accountability. You want someone to be to, to just care about your career and nurture your career to create productivity and success. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. This is why you go to J.E. Dunn. JDunn.com. Doesn't matter where you're from or what your background is. $5 billion in annual revenue. Top 100 healthiest place to work in America. I don't know if you know how many com- companies there are in America. There's a lot of companies in America. A lot of companies. Top Lots. 100, top 100 healthiest place to work in, in America, J.E. Dunn. J.E. Dunn.com. Check out their careers tab. Aaron reported sources indicating 
that there are over 200 job openings right now on it's their website. a lot website. of job openings. I'll, I'll make sure that that stat's updated for next week. But no, it's also, not. Facts it doesn't really matter. matter. Well, yeah, don't worry about facts. There are also jobs, if you are not willing to relocate, they are in almost every major city. That, yep. I mean, I was scrolling through that list and was like, you can almost move anywhere unless you want to move to the middle of nowhere. I don't know if they have offices, you know, in Podunk, Tennessee. I'm from there, so I can say that. Really? But what's I mean, what's just, uh, is Podunk, East Tennessee, West Tennessee, Central Tennessee? I don't know if any of us are making a strong case, but I would say it'd be like uh, Southeast. Savannah, Tennessee. That yeah. would be that would be Southeast Tennessee. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not hating. Shout out to Savannah, Tennessee. Right. There you go. Not Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, Tennessee. Yeah, you can work in cities. Yeah, yeah. Big Town. cities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All across the Southeast, and they'll care about it's like your a weird turn. They'll care. I just I just love the fact that there's always towns in every state that are clearly bigger and more important in other states. Mm-hmm. Like there's. Like there's a Springfield in every state, but the one in Illinois is more important. <laughs> like, right. I think. I think the one in Illinois is the most important Springfield. I, I don't think. think we have the criteria to judge that. Whichever or one honestly whichever, anything. <laughs> whichever one the Simpsons live in, that's the one that's most important. It always um, but there's like like again, Tennessee. I just I just know Tennessee a little bit better, but there's always first of all, there's a Jackson in every one of these states, right? Like there's Jackson, Mississippi. There's like Jackson, multiple Tennessee. Jacksons per state, aren't there? <laughs> I feel like because when we, you live in this like uh, Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, like yeah, Alabama, yeah. like it just feels like there's a Jackson everywhere you drive. You're like going through Jackson. You're like, am I going the right way? Yeah. Because which Jackson am I? Do you ever gone a... the wrong state on on the way up? <laughs> no. Wrong way on the interstate for too long? No, no I'm not. Okay. No, Never me happened. either. I've just heard of it. Yeah, right. Uh, is there a Spartanburg in every other state or just upstate South Carolina? I, I drove through there recently, by the way. I drove through Spartanburg, South you Carolina. You did? Yeah, I had to you stop. Take a picture with the sign. I had to stop and get some uh, get some food and let a six year old take a leak. You know, as as do they girls do. do girls take leaks? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, have you ever referred to a female? I think going if you bathroom? stop, I think if you stop <laughs> on a road trip that's not at a bathroom, you can always call it taking a leak. I'm oh, not saying you made your. I didn't think you made your six year old pee on the side of the highway. No, I did not. Some. I've had to. And so I, I consider that <laughs> taking a leak. If it's on the side of the highway, it's a leak no matter who you are. Yeah, this was in a grocery store because they have nicer bathrooms than the gas stations normally. So totally stop at the grocery store. Okay, uh, bowl I, games. I got us off top. I have no no no. I have I have used the bathroom into a bottle while driving a car through South Carolina. Does that count? Yeah, and that's yeah. That taking a leak? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Convenient for you, huh? Strangely enough, this was not in college. It was actually as an adult with a family, but that's neither here nor there. They were sleeping. You don't wake up sleeping people in your car. So there you go. How many hands did you have on the wheel? <laughs> I had one. Okay. And half a knee, maybe. Okay. Let's talk about bowl okay, games. Okay. J.E. Please. Dunn, everybody. J.E. Dunn. That was not there. part of the ad. You should not have brought J.E. Dunn back into that. We were done. Okay. Damn. Uh, just, just so, so bowl games are, uh, the outcomes are pretty silly. Don't put too much pressure on your team like does it matter if florida beats oregon state i mean does it matter to kansas if they win a bowl game over an sec team like arkansas maybe do i wish missouri by the way and, and kansas were playing in the bowl game absolutely do i think there was some shenanigans going on there potentially with missouri saying we would rather not play kansas obviously if you don't know huge border rival it's called the border war two huge rivalries it's like a&m and texas getting back together would have been great to see 
Uh, so I think there were some shenanigans there, you know, with the SEC office and maybe Missouri trying to pivot away from playing Missouri, playing Kansas. Um, so they end up in the Gasparilla Bowl, whatever that is, in Tampa. So just what what games are you looking forward to here, man? Like, and and what what angles? We'll have a complete preview, by the way. Stephen Lassen and I are going to do a complete bowl preview pick them where we pick every game and go a little bit more in depth into the matchups. But um, I, I am not a bowl game lover. I like watching them. Right. I don't like attaching too much value to their outcomes because that's what people do. They, I they... don't think they're really that telling unless you're in, you know, a playoff situation. Obviously, they're just really I don't think they they do that much um, in terms of giving you an idea. I mean, what are they going to do? Like you have guys that choose not to play, which I think I actually support whatever student athletes choose. I don't think the bowl game really matters. You're not keeping your teams out of postseason playoff you're not keeping them away from possibilities um and i just don't think it's that big of a deal you go play you have fun over the holidays you get some cool stuff <laughs> i'm not few, saying have, that have a few cocktails maybe so, and then hey listen they, nobody parties like uh the gasparilla bowl in tampa florida i will say the bowl game sweatsuits are one of the most underrated things about I mean, I obviously didn't play in a bowl game, but I worked at a school for a long time. And we get those sweatsuits for whenever you're in a bowl, you get like the two-piece. Those are the most comfortable thing on the planet. Like, I almost miss working in an athletic department just because I want the postseason bowl game sweatsuit. So I wear so, mine so, still all the time. So so much so that you are wearing one right now? This is not one, but okay. fair. Um, I actually... So, God, I wish I still worked at a place where I could wear a sweatshirt as she wears a sweatshirt while working. Well, I just want specific ones. Oh, yeah, that's true. You want the they're little lined. You want the little. They're Nike always that's... warm as hell because it's yeah. there. I mean, obviously yeah. around the new year. Anyways, Missouri give me a, Wake. Give me a give me a game. Give me a matchup. Yeah, give me something here. So Missouri Wake. I, I know that it's disappointing for some people because we would have loved to see the matchup, but um, that you were just talking about. But I always think just being enmeshed at Vanderbilt for so long, Wake is a pretty telling. Again, bowl games don't matter that much, but I I think that's a good. Them and Missouri are both a pretty good gauge of how good you are. So I just think they're a good jumping off point. I, I'm not super disappointed about that matchup. I still think it could be cool. Um, I like I, every, I love every single one of these matchups. I just don't want to put too much gravity on the outcome. No, like, I don't think the gravity really matters. This is more about like, what are you excited to see? Yeah, I yeah. think Notre Dame, South Carolina is just something that I haven't gotten to see ever before. Um, love yeah. that matchup. That's in Jacksonville um, at 3.30 on, huh? what day is that on? Uh, that is on Friday, December thirtieth. Would yep. it, will there be any points in the Iowa Kentucky game? <laughs> like just You're, any points, any points at all? Field goal, um, safety, there will maybe. Not be sixty-one and a half as no. predicted for Georgia and Ohio State. Um, Mississippi State and Illinois could not be polar opposites. You have a wow a air raid, yeah. air raid. Mike Leach and like Burt Bielema going to hand the ball to Chase Brown forty-six times a game. Yeah, that will be an interesting one. Um, just excited for Clemson, Tennessee in general. Yep. yep. Um, that lots just of, looks good of on paper. Orange. Lots of orange. Doesn't look good on TV, but looks good on paper. And let's see what else. Um, well, I'm I will be in Memphis for Arkansas, Kansas. So how's the, how's the Liberty Bowl? Uh, how's it? How's it? How's the upkeep on that stadium these days? Still in good shape. I mean, the outs, they've done a ton of work to it. The outside, it actually has like a tailgating environment and like grass planted. At one point, it was just a concrete jungle when I was growing up. It was just like 
all concrete. The outside is definitely better. The inside could still use some work, but right. yeah. That's all I got. Um, I'll probably go to that game. I would like to. It's a 5.30 game. Why don't I have the dates on here? Do you have the date of that? 28th? Wednesday. December, tw- December 28th. Nice. What are you excited for? Yeah, I think the the, the style matchup, Mississippi State-Illinois is fun. Uh, Bama, Bama, Kansas State could be really interesting just because Kansas State, I think they play up to no matter what they're doing and Bama, like who the hell knows where their brains are at. So like that could be, I could actually see Kansas state, like winning that game easily. And then everyone just raging about how Bama was overrated this year and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm with you on Notre Dame, South Carolina. I think that's really interesting matchup. How real is is South Carolina, Texas tech and Ole Miss, lots of offense in that one. That one should be fun. I really like Kansas. I like all these games, Florida, Oregon state. And Michael is going to mention this, but I think, I think it's a terrible matchup for Florida. Oregon state likes to line up, be physical, uh, they're sort of an established culture brand, kind of like Illinois. And so if they're not, Florida's are not really there yet in their development process under Napier. And I think that could put a bad taste in their mouth. Michael again is going to talk about this. Um, Iowa, Kentucky, for some reason, like as a, as a masochist, like that's the one that interests me almost the most because they're both so good on defense. Mark Stoops went to Iowa. Like, yeah. that, like it's his alma mater he's coaching against. And, and it is going to be just an ugly rock fight in a dark alley behind like a bad chain restaurant like it's just i what, what, what game is it oh it's the music city well never mind i thought it might have been like uh like i'm one like of those, well it you have been one access of those, to it <laughs> i'll be there uh and i just it's god it's gonna be ugly will levis might not play like it's gonna be it's gonna be so ugly and uh, how many so, tickets you got to that game are you gonna take me uh 440 can take you yeah we can afford that okay we can well if that. unless Marin wants to go then you can take her she has no. She likes to watch good teams. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot your uh, daughter was a football elitist. <laughs> LSU Purdue is really fun too. Like if they both play, that's a really good matchup. They both won their division. You know, they both were overmatched in championship games. That's an interesting game there. And then Clemson Tennessee is is fascinating for so many reasons. Just to see what Joe Milton looks like against a good defense. So, um, again, how many of those Clemson players play? You know, there's a lot of first round picks on that Clemson defense. A lot of guys could opt out and not play because they're want to make millions of dollars and no one can fault them for that. So do not go after players on Twitter that are not playing in bowl games. And you you, you get you want to know who doesn't care if a player sits out of bowl game. NFL general managers (laughs) don't care. This this is also true. They don't care. They will draft you if you're good. That's it. They don't care. Mm -hmm. They don't care. Um, other than that, I think that's about it. We got tons of transfer news and portal news and recruiting stuff and uh, coordinators, all that stuff is going to, we'll, we'll do a little bit more of that here with Michael Bratton as well as next week. We'll have a lot more on this because this whole thing is like, a, a, it's like a soap opera that just is constantly turning in circles all the time. So, uh, yep. we'll try to keep you up to date on all the stuff, but, uh, sort of a light episode this week as uh, Georgia clinches the SEC championship, number one seed for the first time in program history in the playoff 13 and zero. and what's your reward? The Ohio State offense and the Buckeyes coming to coming to Atlanta. So we'll see. Um, Could have been better, but it's all right. Yep, there you go. All right. Uh, thanks to J.E. Dunn, of course, for presenting this product for you guys. Free. As on the U- always. On the YouTubes, the podcast, share, rate, review, turn on the notifications, all that great stuff. We do appreciate it. Uh, here was our conversation with that SEC podcast, Michael Bratton. Michael, welcome to the show, man. Good to see you. How are you? Happy holidays. Uh, you know, season's over. That's sad, but uh, good to see you, man. How are you? Hey, doing good, Braden. I appreciate, uh, you know, I've had you on my show a couple times, so 
finally getting to make the return trip. Yours is, I, I, I do try to listen to, to as much SEC content as I can. And uh, yours is one of the ones that's regularly on my beat. I've been listening, not only your show, but the Athlon Sports Podcast. I've been a, sure. a, a, a loyal follower for years and years and years. So, uh, man, it's great to be here. The Mutual Admiration Society fully underway today on the show. No, it's it's great to have you. And I, I want to get into like a lot of the, We're already starting to see a lot of Transfer Portal stuff. It's hard to keep track of all of it. We are taping yeah. this, of course, on Tuesday around lunchtime. Uh, and same thing with the assistant coaches. We're already seeing coaches making big moves. A lot of SEC East coaches are going to have to figure out what to do with their offenses. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But just real quickly, you see the playoff put out. Georgia clearly 13-0, clearly number one. You know, Stetson Bennett's going to New York as a Heisman finalist. Any issue with what the playoff committee gave us or who's in New York as a, as a finalist for the Heisman right now? Well, starting with the playoff, Braden, I think they got it right. But I should add, I, I don't like to, I do talk a lot. I run my mouth. I got a big mouth. But I also like to be honest. And I almost specifically follow SEC football. So I probably couldn't name you 10 players on, on Ohio State and Michigan's roster combined. But having said all that, Alabama, Tennessee, I mean, I think those are your two teams you could maybe have a debate for. But I don't think either one of them deserve to be in the college football playoff, not in a four-team format. So I got no issue. I don't think TCU, I, I did get to watch the Big 12 championship. Championship weekends about when I start watching the other teams, just because there's only one SEC game on. But I don't see how you knock TCU out with yeah. a overtime loss, which, hell, they got stuffed at like the one-yard line. Yeah, That's the difference between making the college football playoff. I don't, I don't buy that. From what I understand of Ohio State, I realize they got destroyed by Michigan, but other than that, I think they've been fairly dominant in a lot of their ball games. So, yeah, I got no issue with the four. As for the uh, the Heisman, man, you can't you can't say anything bad about Stetson Bennett without people jumping on you. But <laughs> is he really one of the top four players in the country? I would say no. And Caleb Williams, he's probably going to win it, probably because the votes come in before championship weekend. Um, I think that's ridiculous. I think Hendon Hooker, you can make the case, was the best player in the country for probably two-thirds of the season. Why is he not there? Why do we only have four? That's a that's another issue for another day. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't even think Stess is the best player on his team. And I don't think anybody, even the biggest Georgia homer, would tell you that. So I don't think it should be a career achievement award. I think Stetson yeah. Bennett deserves a statue outside of Stanford Stadium when his career's done, particularly if they win another national championship. But he's not the most outstanding player from the SEC, no. Here's what I say. Yeah, I agree with you on that, actually. Here's what I would say about Georgia. Uh, Jalen Carter is the best foot is the best football player on the team. Brock Bowers is the best athlete on the team. And Stetson Bennett might be the most valuable player on the team. That does not make him the best football player on the team. Yeah, I mean, I, no debate there. And hell, you could throw in about a dozen more Georgia <laughs> players before you get to Stetson. And that's no disrespect. Right. That's, I, everything I say, see, it sounds disrespectful to Stetson. He's just on a, a team with, uh, you know, 20 guys that are going to be in the NFL next year. Can, can you imagine Bryce Young running that offense with those weapons this year? I mean, <laughs> give, me, give me a break. Give me a break with that crap. Now it sounds like we're ripping on Stetson. To your point, like it sounds like we're ripping on Stetson. He's a great player. He's a great quarterback, extremely efficient, has a chance to win two national title rings. That That's all you need to say. You don't have to – you can stop right there and just be like, that. that's it. Um, all right, when you get – when you look at these, these teams in the East, Tennessee, obviously, a, a really great season ahead of schedule. 
with Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker. South Carolina way ahead of schedule, two straight years under Shane Beamer with a bowl game. Kentucky has sort of established itself, and now all three of them are going to have to replace probably their their quarterbacks for sure and their offensive coordinators, some by choice, others not so much. Um, what do you make of those three teams, all of which are pretty solid programs in the East now, established themselves as, con- you know, I don't want to say contenders with Georgia, but that second tier of teams, a couple of couple huge wins for all those programs. What do you make of the jobs that those coaching staffs are going to have to do this off season? Who has it the toughest? Who has it the easiest? Who do you think can solve those problems? I'd certainly say the toughest right now got to be Kentucky with losing a generational Will Levis. I kind of kid when I say that. I don't like to sit here and bash you guys, but all I can that see the was tongue. I can, I can see the tongue in your cheek. <laughs> very, very solid college quarterback, tough as hell, made some some plays when they had to be made. So they just don't have another guy on their right. I mean, we saw against South Carolina, they had to play without him. They, God, they looked terrible. Now that's not to say, uh, you know, I, I would imagine they got to be a prime candidate to add a, a transfer quarter, a quarterback, maybe uh, Devin Leary, someone like that. I think I just spoke with uh, Stephen Lassen, your guy there at Athlon Sports said Leary, not that he will go there, but he would be perfect for what they're trying to accomplish there. If they get a big-time quarterback, that'll solve a lot of the issues. But I'm a little concerned with Kentucky because I'm the guy that I, – I picked a fifth in the East at SEC Media Days. I thought I was drunk as hell down there. You you can attest. I was sober at least. No, no, you, well, no, I can't I – can't, I will not attest to that. But I will attest <laughs> that you said that and that I disagreed with you yeah. like, mo- like most of us thought, oh, no, that they're they're a little bit better than that. Um, and no, you're listen, I was dead wrong about South Carolina and, and probably Kentucky as well. You were right on with Kentucky. Right. And, and so, I mean, it, it just feels like they've, they've, we've hit a ceiling there. I mean, this was supposed to be the year we got all the pieces yet. We can't get it done. We had a great defense. The all, all they've been building and building Braden to having a quarterback and having receivers. They got that now. Now they don't have an offensive line. I mean, it's just it's a nightmare, and that's what they're supposed to be built upon. Stoops is out here saying we'll we'll rebuild the offensive line via the transfer portal. Well, good luck with that because every college football team at the Power Five level wants help on the offensive line. So you're in a dogfight if you're going to try to fix it via the transfer portal. I think South Carolina. It's interesting. Marcus Satterfield, I don't know. Did he finally figure it out? I don't I don't have much faith in that guy. I, I think losing him is a is a plus. We'll see who they get as their next offensive coordinator. I think that was more about Spencer Rattler finally trusting himself, pushing the ball down the field, letting it all hang loose because they had nothing to lose against Tennessee and Clemson. Uh, but at times, I mean, I mean, SEC football is so wild, Braden. I mean, they what was it, 43 to 6 before that Tennessee game? They got shellacked. By Florida, I would even throw Florida into this conversation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it just goes up and down, up and down. But I think the team that's that's got it the best is clearly Tennessee under Josh Heupel. Now, I I should say I'm a, I'm a Tennessee grad, so take my opinion of them with a grain of salt. But another conversation I had with your buddy Stephen Lassen there, I mean, he he just kind of crystallized everything. We're sitting here debating Florida, or excuse me, Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee and their stature in the SEC. Yet if you if you just put these rosters together on a piece of paper and looked at them, there's one outlier, and it's Tennessee. Their roster is not even close to either one of those two, no. yet 
They competed with him because I think Josh Heupel's a brilliant play caller, and I think Hendon Hooker was just sensational. I think he's the most efficient quarterback in college football. That's a major, major loss, no doubt. But everywhere Josh Heupel's been, he gets these quarterbacks to play out of their mind. I think it would be unfair to Hendon Hooker to, to suggest they'll just have another guy that does that. But what I do think could happen is the roster continues to get better. They're recruiting well. Tennessee has positioned itself outstandingly in the NIL game. So I think they're going to be very attractive in the transfer portal. We'll see who they add here. But, you know, if Tennessee gets close to the talent of Alabama and Georgia, I think their their ceiling is sky high. I, I It'll be interesting. Obviously, Alex Golish, of course, a part of that as well. But we know it's Josh Heupel's offense. So when Shane Beamer's never called plays and when Mark Stoops is the defensive guy, there's more pressure on the decision who they're hiring on, on the offensive coordinator, whereas Heupel has a lot more weight that he can pull in, in sort of the offensive room and sort of help with the departure of Alex Golish. Jimbo Fisher, same thing, of course. They move on from, from Daryl Dickey uh, at Texas A&M. Is, is this a fixable problem? Is this a fixable solution? Or are you buying that all the turmoil under Jimbo Fisher at Florida State is is what's happening now? And that, they, like, are they just a good offensive coordinator and some patience away from being you know, a contender in the SEC, like we've been saying literally for the better part of five years now. Daryl Dickey was a problem. Get his ass out of here. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be fine now. No. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I tried to tell you, Braden, and you weren't buying it on the J.E. Dunn Twitter spaces Monday, right after, what was it, uh, Sam Houston week one. We were kind of debating Texas A&M, where they belong in the power rankings in the SEC. I had them like 10th, and my God was where Aggies mad at me. They, oh, I hate Jimbo. I hate their culture. I hate, I hate everybody from Texas. No, I just call it like I see it. And from week one till basically the LSU game, I mean that offense was just disastrous. I mean, we we don't have to. We can go on at length about it. Everybody knows about it. Right. Uh, the offensive line was supposed to be a strength. That was a that was a disaster. Quarterback after quarterback. The only thing they had was Devon Ochain, and you got to assume he's off to the NFL unless they give him a massive massive NIL deal. And still, I would tell him to go to the NFL. But you know, it, it remains to be seen because A and I'm I'm done burying them. I'm I'm back on the bandwagon, Brayden. I got to get these people reel back in. Uh, it's the off season of hype, just like it is every year with Texas A&M. <laughs> if they hire a competent play caller, I think I, that's another one. I, I, they could win the SEC. They could win the national championship. They have the talent, and they've got a quarterback now. They've got some great receivers. But having the ability to hire an offensive coordinator is one thing. They have that. Can they attract one? With Jimbo letting go of the reins of the play calling, I think that's the yeah. biggest question mark of the offseason. Again, is a Garrett Riley going to go down there knowing that if he has one bad game, Jimbo could yank that thing from him and start calling yeah. plays, and he's just a Daryl Dickey 2.0, so to speak. <laughs> so they're, they're in a tough spot because Jimbo answers to nobody. He doesn't have to answer to anybody. He's got uh, you know, 80, 75 million next season uh, just, just waiting for him. So it's an interesting position. If Jimbo will do what needs to be done, A&M could be a contender, not only for the SEC, but the national championship. Um, Hugh Freeze, you like it? <laughs> Gus Malzahn 2.0, but with baggage here. No, no, <laughs> hell no, I don't like it. I mean, what what are we sitting here talking about? Um, he, he beat Alabama twice. Oh, that's outstanding. But he also lost to Vanderbilt twice. He lost to Memphis. And this was not like rebuild Ole Miss. This was a 10-win Ole Miss. 
I mean, he's he's a good coach, and I think he will be, you know, a man on a on a mission to prove because this is his final shot. If he blows it at Auburn, he's never getting another great job, obviously. So Auburn's got the the fan base, they got all the resources in, in this new NIL era to compete with the big boys in the SEC. So you yeah. know, I I, I kind of kid. I mean, I I think it could be disastrous. I think it could be great. Either way, it's going to be entertaining as hell. But I th- I think he'll have his moments. But I don't think they'll ever win the SEC because again, I think he's he's Gus Malzahn is what he is. Yeah, and but, yeah, like you said, with more stuff. Right. <laughs> I mean, all the stuff he was doing at Ole Miss, aside from the the burner phones, it's all legal. So I mean, they could they could do it. They'll they'll encourage it on the planes. Uh, he'll be fine. But yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I just don't like him personally. It's kind of hard for me to overlook that. But but he is a good coach, yep. not yep. an elite coach. Um, are there bowl games that you are like genuinely interested in? And I don't mean like in the general sense of like, hey, it's a football game. We all love football games. We're all going to watch every football game. We I, I, that sort of goes without saying. The outcomes of these games don't really mean a whole lot for any of these programs moving forward or backward. You know, having a winning season is important. I get it. But really, it's about the practice time and it's about the paycheck and it's about being on national television and selling your brand. And but right now, coaches are focused on recruiting. They're focused on the portal. Um, But so outside of just sort of like base layer of interest in games that we're not going to have for like seven months, is there a matchup, a game that you are genuinely excited about from the from an SEC standpoint? Certainly, Tennessee and and Clemson, I want to see for a number of reasons. I mean, you know, the with the opt-outs and everything, the, the bowl games have lost some meaning. You know, it's all about the playoff, not for me, but for a lot of people. But this is the biggest game, I would say, in a lot of Tennessee players' lives. Outside of, you know, Alabama was huge, Georgia was huge, but maybe beyond those two, this is the biggest game a lot of these players will ever play in. I think it's it's vitally important, Braden, that uh, Josh Heupel and company figure out what they got in Joe Milton. Yeah, I agree Because that. they just won 10 games. If they go back to eight or nine next season, I mean, the fan base is going to be pissed. And it'll be because Joe Milton can't lead you to, to the promised land. The expectation on Rocky Top now is to be, is to compete with Georgia, to compete with Alabama. You just beat Alabama. You, I don't, I don't want to say you went toe-to-toe with Georgia, but few did. So, uh, you know, g- taking a step back because your quarterback is not, is, is, is not nearly as good as Hendon Hooker is not going to be an excuse that fans are going to give him. So I want to see what Joe Milton looks like in this big game. Uh, I really want to see, what is it, the Liberty Bowl, Arkansas, Kansas. So much hype, so much enthusiasm with, with Arkansas. And it, at times it seems like the team kind of quit on, on Sam Pittman. Not the entire team, but there's factions of it. There's there's rumors of, of turmoil in the locker room. I believe they lead the SEC right now in, in players that have left for the transfer portal since Monday. That's obviously not a great sign. Mm. So will this team lay down? Will they show up? That's kind of vitally important to me to, to see. the. I mean, I, I certainly don't suggest you fire Sam Pittman. He just got a contract extension. But if they get blown out against Arkansas, he's – He's probably going to be entering the season on one of the hottest seats in the SEC, South Carolina, Notre Dame. I want to see if the Gamecocks can keep this momentum rolling. Not that losing it's going to going to kill you, but this staff did a heck of a job. If you remember last bowl season, Braden, they were big underdogs. North Carolina, North Carolina had their quarterback returning. He was one of the ones people assumed was going to opt out. So you just uh, you imagine North Carolina was going to roll them. 
It was the exact opposite. I, th I think it was 21-7, 28-7, something like that, right out the gate. And that was a springboard to this upcoming season. So those are probably the three games outside of the playoff yeah. that that kind of intrigued me the most. Uh, so a couple couple quick comments off of what you're saying. I, I think a million percent, what does Joe Milton look like against a good Clemson defense is critical. I, I think if you think Tennessee fans expect 10 wins, I, they better prepare themselves for disappointment because Joe Milton is not hitting hooker. They lost their offensive coordinator and you already alluded to it. Their roster is not close to the rosters that are at the top of this conference. So they better be prepared for a step back without arguably the greatest quarterback in most efficient quarterback in program history. I, I'm interested about Sam Pittman though, because I think a lot of their struggles had to do with injuries to KJ Jefferson in their schedule. Um, they lost a lot of, they lost a lot of players in the secondary early in the year. They, they played a very difficult schedule. Hugh Freeze was trying to win a job in that game, and then they destroy Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Uh, so I, I, I'm i not sure hot seat is how I would describe Sam Pittman. Are you genuinely concerned about Arkansas's future long-term? Yeah, absolutely. And this is not me making, you know, going hot, uh, you know, hot, hot the uh, hot button topic or anything, but they, I'm generally hearing this from, from a number of Arkansas people in the media, from the fan base. I mean, they're fed up. They they had a nine win season, but this is sec life. You go from nine wins to six. We got fire. Everybody. They, they hate, I don't <laughs> want like three games in like three years in a row combined. And now they're going to fire a guy. <laughs> Maybe try to talk some sense into these great Razorback fans, Braden. They hate Kendall Browse. That that's, no, the, I agree. I actually agree with that. I I would, I would, whoa, move, on from him. Whoa, I would move on from Kendall. Browse. He, I think he's the weakness. I think Barry Odom is the strength. So, mm. well, the defense was a lot worse than the yeah, offense no, I, I injuries. <laughs> injuries were certainly a part of, of that, but uh, I, I mean, I've seen the numbers. I mean, they're like 50th in scoring and, and this and that and yada, yada, yada. Well, they've got arguably the, the sixth best roster in the West. Their starting quarterback missed two yeah. games, should have lost three. Um, I mean, there is some questionable play. There's questionable play calling in every – we because we remember the times they don't score. We don't remember the 40 times they do score, and we don't give them props for that. So, I don't know. I think with the talent that he's working with – we just had the number two rusher in the SEC, KJ Jefferson. We he's one of the most dynamic players in the SEC. He, not Kendall Browse doesn't get all that credit, but he's got to get some credit for that. You know I, that's that's fair. I, I think I think going into the season, how about this? Going into the season, the only sort of thing I the only question I had, or maybe the 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 minor thought that could hold them back was the design of the offense. I think. Um, in the coaching circles, I don't think Kendall Bryles' scheme is as respected as uh, – certainly is not as respected as, as Barry Odom. But I do think a couple of those losses – like, I think they beat LSU if they've got K.J. Jefferson, for example. So I think a couple of those losses, you could point to the fact that their star quarterback wasn't playing, which I would argue is the case for almost everybody uh, in the league. So, uh, all right, when we're going into the offseason here, what is the story that that – you know, we've got a month to go before the playoff. What What is the, th are you focused on recruiting? Are you focused on the portal? What is the thing that will define the SEC over the next two or three weeks before we get all the way to New Year's Eve and we're actually playing up and Georgia's playing in an actual championship caliber football game? It's probably the portal because we, we just seen what that can do for LSU, what that can do for Ole Miss. I thought Ole Miss potentially would be a train wreck this season. I know it didn't, it didn't uh, finish the way they wanted, but that, that was major. Um, uh, and that's not to say you just add guys and you're, and you're solid because Alabama added some guys. It, it didn't quite 
pan out for them. So I, I think Florida, I, that's another one I, I keep going back to. I, I know they I, they had a disastrous season. I don't think it's going to be pretty for them in the Las Vegas Bowl against, I think, number 14, Oregon State. With uh, Florida's had two quarterbacks leave the, the program in the last week. They got tw- 11 days now as we're recording to get ready for that football game. So it could be disaster there. That's going to be a bat- black eye for Billy Napier. But you know, just turn it over that roster. How does Hugh Freeze turn over the roster yeah. at Auburn? I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, what does Georgia do at quarterback? What does Alabama do at quarterback? What does Tennessee do at quarterback? I, I think these are things that are that have yet to be determined that could dictate how next season in the SEC is decided. Fascinating just to hear you kind of talking through Georgia. They're they're part of it. They've obviously recruited. They got a bunch of five stars at quarterback on the roster. But to think about a team going into a playoff game that hasn't played that game yet, that is already planning right now to work the portal for a position next year. That's a totally new thing. <laughs> like all right. the other, all the other teams are playing in bowl games that don't actually have an impact on, you know, it's not a, it's not a championship, but Georgia has got to play in a real football game and they, and Kirby smart has to spend a couple of his weeks worried about portal players. I mean, it's, it's fat and, and recruiting early signing period. I mean, it's, it's fascinating how much we're putting in there in December. So it'll be fun to watch. That's for sure. It's it's a train wreck of uh, of just scheduling, Braden, with high school recruiting, the portal, yep. bowl games, yep. uh, the coaching carousel. I don't know why they jam packed it all into this window. Um, I, I like the fact that they are kind of putting it into windows, but they would certainly do guys like you and I a favor if they spread this out <laughs> over two three months. Give us something to talk about. You know what? <laughs> Michael, thank you so much, man. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, of course, check out all of his work across that SEC podcast. You got the YouTube page, uh, the pod, you got the social accounts, all the good stuff. You can, you can catch him everywhere, so make sure you check it all out. Michael, thank you so much. Happy holidays, and we'll talk soon, all right? Absolutely. That was Michael Bratton, and, and as you and I were talking about before, uh, we talked. We, we spent a little bit more time with with Michael on sort of the SEC East and those offensive regimes and trying to replace some pieces. But really, I think he's right about Tennessee and Clemson in the bowl game. And we touched on it before the interview. Uh, just it's a lot of orange. That's a real challenge for Joe Milton, Josh Heupel, no Alex Golish. Like it's just going to be no Hendon Hooker. It, it feels like Tennessee is more of what it could be in the future, if that makes sense. And, and and so maybe we get a, a little bit of glimpse into the future. I don't want to put too much weight on a bowl game. It doesn't mean a whole lot, but I, maybe we get a little bit more about Tennessee, learn about more, more about Tennessee than we do anybody else. So we'll see. Yeah, I think that will be an exciting one. I am super distracted. Did you just hear my neck? No, I did not. Are you okay? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> did you? You'll have to cut that out neck. for a clip. I just like turned it to the side and I... Never mind. I skipped PT for this, so I sh- probably shouldn't have. Um, the real Slim Shady. Please stand up. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that I think that will be. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. That's going to be a great game. I already said I was excited for Clemson, Tennessee. Okay. And, we don't need to. Um, you don't need to. Talk we don't anymore. have to harp on. Talk. I think we that just, killed my brain cells with that. We could just be pop. over. We could just be. At, this could be the end of the show if you want. We could just be, be done with it. Go to Jay Dunn. Jay for all the <laughs> career at you know opportunities that you would want to be fulfilled and happy. You know, or start the new year off right. Like if you know, people are big about New Year's resolutions. I'm a big believer in if you don't change it, you should 
never wait until January to fix it. But since we're up on January anyway, if you really don't want to do this in your, if you don't want to be miserable in your current job, or you think that you're not being challenged enough, it'd be a great time to make the switch um, and just start 2023 off in a way that is more fulfilling than your current job is. Yeah. I am not, um, a New I'm Year's not a, resolution I don't believe person. in New York resolutions. I believe New York resolutions. I don't believe in New Year's <laughs> resolutions. I believe in New Year's intentions. Just because then you're saying you. you are setting yourself. I don't know what that means. Um, sir, I'm okay. assuming young people say it. Um, I'm, I'm acting very mid right now. Um, no, I think so the if you if you say it's an intention, if you say it's a resolution, then you're setting yourself up psychologically for a pass fail situation. Mm-hmm. If you call it an intention and you get it right, like 80 percent of the time, then you've done your job. And, you're, and you know what? You're probably a healthier person and better off because you've done it 80 percent of the time. You don't have to hit 100 percent. It's OK. You don't. Okay. You don't. You're intentions. right. It's all about the vocabulary. That's right. The words you use are important. jdun.com. For Aaron Dugan, my name is Braden Gall. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network.